You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. So we've been in a series called, you know, One Another, Living on the Gospel and Relationships, and I get the privilege of uh, just talking with you guys about what does it look like to love your enemies. And so, you know, a heavy one, a deep one. Um, I chose this, so it wasn't like Oliver assigned this to me. Um, so he, he, was, he was listening at the different things to talk about, and I said, what, a, well, what about loving your enemy? And he's like, oh, that's a good one. That wasn't even on there. And he's like, I mean, if you don't do it, I'll do it. And I was like, I'll do it, you know. Um, so anyways, um, I, I'm excited to talk about it. It's, it's, uh, I'll probably cry a couple times, but that's okay, um, because it's just, it just gets me emotional sometimes. Um, so, if you've read Ephesians before, Ephesians isn't the, the scripture we're going to be in today. We're going to be in Luke 6, um, if you want to bring, take out your Bibles and get there. We'll be in uh, Luke 6, 27. Uh, but before we get there, um, in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, um, it's pretty powerful. Paul is talking to the church, and he says, uh, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Which is just kind of intense, if you just think about that, right? Therefore, be an imitator of God as his children, right? That's kind of heavy, right? That's a serious calling. It's a serious invitation, right? Let's be imitators of God as his beloved children, And then he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so one of the ways it looks like to be a a child of God, what it looks like to imitate God, right, is to walk in love as Christ loved us. He gave himself up for us. And that's what it looks like to, to walk in love as Christ, right, is to lay ourselves down and to give that kind of sacrificial love like Jesus gave us. And so just this idea of imitation. And so if you have kids, maybe your kids try to imitate you sometimes. There's a picture, if you could put that picture on the screen of just me and my son. My son like tries to imitate me, right? My daughter tries to do it sometimes too, but uh, it's easier for him because he kind of really does look like me. I mean, that's like what I look like as a kid. Um, And so he puts on the glasses, he puts on the hat. You know, we have kind of the same clothes. And he tries to imitate me, right? He tries to be like me. And that's the Im- invitation for us, for you and I, right? For us to be like God, to imitate him. We're not God, but he invites us to be an imitator of him, which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful calling, right? To, to imitate God himself as his children, as his beloved children, right? You and I are his beloved children, which is a beautiful thing. And so with that in mind, let's get into the passage here. I'll read it, Luke 6, 27 through 36. This is also kind of a similar passage in Matthew, uh, I think Matthew 6 or Matthew 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, Um, but I chose to do this one instead, but there's similarities in the Sermon on the Mount passage to Matthew 5 through 8. Um, But in this passage, Jesus is talking. And he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. 
I imagine you're hearing this for the first time. You're, you're under rule of you know, the Roman government, right? To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. But your tunic was like the cloak was on the outside, and the tunic was what you wore underneath your cloak. So basically, you're giving them all your clothes, and you're left with nothing. Just the idea. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Father, we, uh, we want to be like you. We want to be like you. You, you are grateful, you're, you're, you're kind, and you're, you're merciful, and you're loving to the ungrateful and to the evil. And you invite us to do the same. Give us the courage to do the same, Father. Give us the courage to do the same, to not be afraid to do the same thing. Um, I think what, I think for me when I read this, it just, just the idea that like, God is, is kind and merciful and loving to the ungrateful and the evil person, right? The person that you don't expect deserves it. You don't want to give it. The person who has been who has wronged you maybe time and time and time again. The invitation is, hey, if you want to be like me, hey, child, if you want to be like me, go love that person. Go love him. Go love her, whoever that enemy is. And sometimes that enemy might be even your own spouse, might be your kids, right? It might be somebody really close to you who's wronged you and who's hurt you, who's abused you in some kind of way, right? He says, Pray for those who abuse you. That's not our natural response, right? Our natural response is to abuse back, to hurt back. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? You did this to me, you deserve this. And it's really hard, right? It's really hard to look that person in the eye and bless them. Or get away in your closet and pray for that person, right? Who hurt you, who wronged you. It's hard, it's hard to do the hard thing, right? But this, this is what it looks like, 
I believe to, to be an imitator of God is that you truly are unconditional with your love, right? Your love truly is not based upon someone's actions towards you, but simply because you have been so consumed, so overwhelmed by the love of Christ that you can't help but pour out your love to your enemy, to your friend. It just comes out of you, right? Because you've been filled with the love of Christ. I don't think this is something that we need to muster up and, and grit our teeth and try really hard, right? When, when we're consumed with Christ, when we're abiding in Christ, when his love is abiding in us, this is what comes out. This is the natural response, right? I heard one time, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Todd White or somebody, I heard it years ago, I might get it wrong, but he said, you know, when you squeeze a fruit, when you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. When you squeeze an apple, apple juice comes out. But sometimes every time you squeeze a Christian, everything comes out except Jesus, right? And the idea is that when we get squeezed, when we get persecuted, when we get hated, when we get abused, what's the response? What should be coming out of us? Jesus should be coming out of us, right? Because that is who we're filled with. We're filled with his Holy Spirit. And if anything doesn't come out that's not that, then we need to go back and and ask for forgiveness, right? Jesus, help me. Help love to come out of me. Help love to come out of me, because right now all I feel in my heart is hate towards this person. All I want to do is just curse this person back because they cursed me. All I want to do is yell at this person because they yelled at me. And it's hard. It's hard to when someone's yelling at you, abusing you with their words, abusing you with your actions, to bless that person back. There's a friend of mine, um, him and his wife had taken in some people who uh, were living on the streets, and um, one day one of the guys came into the house, and he had come into the house drunk, and this person often came to the house drunk. He was kind of like an alcoholic. And something happened. My friend, I guess, had ticked him off in some kind of way, and, which can easily be done when you're drunk. Um, and this guy who was living with him, bigger guy than him, in his 50s, my friend's in his 20s, and this guy just gets in his face and just starts yelling at him and cursing him and calling all these different names and just in his face, right? And my friend, instead of choosing to retaliate, he decides to bless him. As the, as the man is yelling at him, he's blessing him and saying, hey, I love you. God loves you. Christ loves you. And as he begins to do this, bless him, the man falls to the floor weeping and repents, right? This is what it looks like, right? To bless those who curse you, you're blessing them instead of cursing them. And one of the scriptures say, like, when you, when you do good to those who hate you, right, it's like putting, like, coals on their head, right? It's when you do good to someone who's doing evil to you, it, it overwhelms them in a way that they don't know, they don't know what to do, right? Because we know what to do when it's like, you're yelling at me, I'm going to yell at you back. We just yell, 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 and that's what everyone expects, right? When you do the opposite, when you work in the opposite spirit, many times you'll be surprised what happens. Like in that case, there's another story of a woman who was in England, and she was working on her doctorate, 
And uh, as she was working on her doctorate, she was serving the homeless, serving those people who other people forgot. And uh, she was serving this one guy, and this one guy was always kind of hostile toward her, wouldn't really receive her help, was always kind of like button up against her. And, but she just kept trying to love her, kept trying to serve her. And one day, this other homeless guy comes and starts beating on this woman who's serving the homeless, right? Starts beating on her to the point where she's about to get killed. But as she's getting beat on by this homeless guy, instead of fighting back, she chooses to tell this guy the gospel as she's getting beaten, right? Tell this guy about how much God loves her and Jesus loves you. You don't need to be doing this, right? And so she's communicating the gospel to this man as she's getting beaten. She's getting beaten to the point of death. The guy breaks the bottle, is about to like hit her with this broken bottle. The homeless guy who's been kind of being resistant to her all of a sudden kind of jumps in and takes her away from the situation, protects her, blocks her from the other guy, saves her life. Well, as this woman is in the hospital recovering from her beatings, the homeless guy who was resistant to her comes to the hospital with flowers and says, because of what you did, because of what I saw your love in your eyes, because I saw you love that person who was hitting you and beating you, I've chosen to come to Christ now. I've chosen to follow Jesus. And I, if I remember the story right, also the man who was beating her came to Christ also. And that's not, you know, these are like, these might be like more grandiose stories, right? It's like, well, I can't do that. You know, that's maybe not, that's not for me. But sometimes it's just something simple, right? Something simple. Someone just maybe cuts you off or says some kind of sly, passive-aggressive comment to you. Right? Or someone at work who's always just kind of like on edge with you and you never seem to get along with. What does it look like to love in that situation? Maybe you're in school, right, and there's just that bully who's just always kind of like trying to get underneath your skin. I'm a teacher, so I'm like in the classroom all the time. I'm seeing all these different like arguments all the time. And many times the response, you know, sometimes I try to talk to kids about, you know, people who are um, being mean to them or whatever. And it's like, well, maybe, you, have you tried, like, loving them or caring? No, man, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, uh-uh, no, right? And sometimes these are people who, who might be Christians, right? I teach a lot of students who are Christians. But our natural response or response that many times is our whatever gut response or whatever is, is an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, right? You cut me, I'm going to cut you back. You do this to me, I'm going to do it back. And I'm telling you, this just isn't the way of Jesus. This isn't the invitation that he's called you to. This isn't the way of love, right? Love is the thing that defines a Christian. You'll know they are Christians by their love, right? By their love. Loving the good, loving the evil, loving those who persecute you, loving those who hurt you, loving the kind. You're not biased in your love. You're not, there's no condition in your love. And so that's, you know, that's the invitation, right? When the, the person who, uh, who slaps you on the cheek, to me, this is like 
just like a symbol of like, when, I feel like when you get slapped, right, it's just like a, I don't know, like just your dignity is taken from you, right? Like someone slaps you in the face and it's like your pride, your dignity just got like hit and you just, you know, it's just, it just, I've never been slapped in the face, but that's what I would probably feel like, right? Um, but the invitation, right, is to, to offer them the other cheek. Here, have my dignity. Have my pride. Here, I give it to you, right? I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to try to take it. Here, it's, it's yours. When the person takes your cloak, right, takes the outer garment, and then... Uh, you offer them your tunic, too, right? That's the only thing you have left to wear. You take, the, you take the cloak, right? They had the cloak, and they had the tunic underneath it. And underneath that was your skin. And so you're giving them, you're exposing yourself to them in a sense, right? You're exposing your shame, your nakedness, whatever you're using to cover yourself up, you're exposing that to them. You're saying, here I am. This is me. Right? Is your love towards people, is it, is it, is it, full, of, uh, is it full of fear? Because fear, when you, have, when you have fear in your love, then, then you're scared. You're scared. You're scared of stuff that, like that to happen because You don't want to be stepped on, right? Well, don't, you know, you hear it all the time. Don't let that person step on you, right? Don't, don't let that person take advantage of you. You're, you're afraid that someone's going to take something from you when there's fear in your love, right? That they're going to take something from you. But the invitation is just to give it, right? right Jesus says there's, in 1 John 4, 8 or something like that, he says, Jesus doesn't say, but John says it, right? He says, perfect love casts out fear, right? And so we want our, our, love, our, our love to be perfected by Jesus so there's not fear in it so that people can't take from you because you're giving it, right? You're giving it. You're not afraid to give your love wholeheartedly. That's the invitation that we give a, a love that is a whole, wholehearted love that... Uh, Yeah, this isn't afraid, afraid to give. Um, give to everyone who begs from you, right? And from the one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. It's just so, it's so strange, right? It's just like, like when, I, when I keep reading this, it's just so counter our culture. I don't know if you've ever been robbed before, but it doesn't feel good. Right? It doesn't feel good to be robbed. I've been robbed before. It does not feel good to be robbed. It feels like you just got violated. Right? You don't feel safe. It doesn't feel good. Right? And he says, if someone takes something, if you don't even demand it back. He doesn't, he doesn't give qualifications. He doesn't give specifics. He's not saying, well, in this situation, demand it back. But in this, like, he just says it. And it's heavy. Right? Because, once again, the world's advice is something take, if someone takes something from you, then get it, try to get it back. Right? But Jesus says the opposite. Don't demand it back. The 
the one who begs from you, like give it to them. And just this whole idea, right? If you love those who love you back, what benefit is to you? Even sinners do that. So even people who don't, who even don't know me do the same thing, right? If you do good to just do, to those who are going to do good back to you, what benefit is that to you? Right? This is, this is the calling, right? The calling, the love of Christ is, I think this is what sets Christians apart from the world, right? This kind of love is what sets you apart from the, from the person at your work in the world who is not a Christian, right? When you love those who don't deserve it, who don't love you back, who aren't good to you, who hate you, who spit on your face, it, 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 it speaks so loud, right? When the world sees that, when they see you love people who don't love you back, it speaks so loudly. Because it's so strange, right? It's so weird when you love somebody who doesn't love you back. It's just a weird thing. And it speaks aloud, a loud voice that just echoes, right? And so here in America, right, we don't like experience intense persecution. We don't experience people who are actively opposing Christians. Um, maybe, maybe you've experienced that personally. Whether, maybe you've experienced it here in the States. I don't know. I've never experienced it personally where someone was like actively opposing me for my faith. Um, I've, I've experienced like people getting upset with me because I believe something different than them, or saying, hey, I think Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. I don't think your way is the right way. I've had people get upset with me, but I've never had anybody, like, like curse me or, like, I don't know, try to kill me for my faith, right, like in other countries. Um, and so I don't know if you've ever read some stories of just believers in other countries who are actively, like, attacked for their faith, um, were many times killed for their faith, but there's a great book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, this one's not up to date. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they probably have a more up-to-date version. There's also one when I was in like middle school, high school, there was one called Jesus Freaks. It was written by like the DC Talk people. So that's like one of the books I read when I was growing up. Anyways, there's just, there's just story after story after story after story of these people who decided that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. No matter what it costs me, I'm going to follow Jesus. Whether it costs me my life, whether it costs me my dignity, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm not going to deny him, right? And I would love just to read some of these, just two of these stories, um, just to kind of stir in our faith, right? And to remind ourselves that we have brothers and sisters around the world who are facing real persecution, right? Who are really dying for their faith. Um, this first one is in China in 1977. Um, two girls, I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce their name, but let's just call them Jen and Ashley, all right? Just Jen and Ashley, right, they're in China, two Christian girls, and their pastor were sentenced to death. As on many such occasions in church history, the persecutors mocked and scorned them for being so foolish as to die for an unseen God. Then they promised the pastor that if he would shoot the girls, they would release him. The pastor accepted. The girls waited patiently in their prison cells for the moment of their execution. They prayed quietly together. Soon guards came for them and led them out. A fellow prisoner who watched the execution through the barred window of his prison cell 
said that their faces were pale but beautiful beyond belief, infinitely sad but sweet. They were placed against the wall, and their pastor was brought forward by two guards. They placed him close in front of the girls and put a pistol in his hands. The girls whispered to each other, then bowed respectfully to their pastor. One of them said, Before being shot by you, we wish to thank you heartily for what you have meant to us. You baptized us. You taught us the way of eternal life. You gave us holy communion with the same hand in which you now have a gun. May God reward you for all that you have done for us. You also taught us that Christians are sometimes weak and commit terrible sins, but they can be forgiven again. When you regret what you are about to do to us, do not despair like Judas, but repent like Peter. God bless you. And remember that our last thought of you was not of indignation against your failure. Everyone passes through hours of darkness. We die with gratitude. They bowed again to their pastor, closed their eyes, and stood suddenly waiting. The pastor had obviously hardened his heart. He raised the pistol and shot them. No sooner after they had fallen to the ground, the communist guards put him against the wall for immediate execution. As they shot him, no one heard, word, no one heard words of repentance, only the sound of screaming. Right, so these, these two girls, I don't know how old they were, right? But they had faith to even bless the person who was about to kill them, right? Their past who had served them and loved them and cherished them and taught them so much, now all of a sudden turning on their backs, right? About to shoot them, and they bless the man and pray for him, right? That's the invitation. Here's another one. This is China, 1990, the year I was born. Emilio had been a prisoner in China, wrote about his experiences. Among other things, he wrote this. From my cell, I heard a mother speaking soothing words to her child of five, whose name was Sao Mei. She had been arrested with the child because she had protested against the arrest of her bishop. All the prisoners were indignant at seeing the suffering of the child. Even the prison director said to the mother, don't you have pity on your daughter? It is sufficient for you to declare that you give up being a Christian and we will not go to church anymore. Then you and your child will be free. So, you know, give up being a Christian and going to church and you and your child will be, will be free, right? Which I can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine. I have almost a five-year-old being in that, in that prison with my daughter and then being given the option to be set free. You know, it's very hard to know what I would do, Right? In despair, the woman agreed and was released. After two weeks, she was forced to shoot, not, she was forced to shout from a stage before 10,000 people, I am no longer a Christian. On their return home, Sal May, who had stood near her when she denied her face of the five-year-old girl, said, Mommy, today Jesus is not happy with you. The mother explained, you wept in, pre in prison, though. I had to say this out of my love for you. Salome replied, I promise that if we go to jail again for Jesus, I won't weep. The mother ran to the prison director and told him, you convinced me to say wrong things for my daughter's sake, but she has more courage than I. Both went back to prison, but Salome no longer wept. I said this, these people, from the time they're born, right, they're, 
they've got to come to a realization like, my decision to be a Christian could cost me my life, right? Some of these people in other countries, right? It's not, it's like, if I decide to be a Christian, this means a lot. I remember there used to be a guy, I can't remember his name now, but he was from Sri Lanka. He would come here on like a yearly basis and he would, he would preach once, like once a year. Anyways, his Sri Lanka was like highly uh, persecuted by the Buddhists. The Buddhists would, would persecute them, the Christians. So they would, you know, they would, many people would die. Um, and, he, and he told, he said something one time that I just thought was so profound. He's like, see, one of the first things we have to teach our children here is to pray for those who persecute you, to bless those who curse you. Because that's what they experience, right? Right off the bat, right? Is this heavy persecution. And they had to teach them, this is what it looks like to be a Christian, is that when someone persecutes you, you don't persecute them back. You bless them. You pray for them. And it just stuck with me because here in America, right, many times we have it so comfort, right? It's just so comforting we get upset, you know, if our coffee isn't made the right way, right? It's just like, and I do the same thing. It's, but when we, when, we go to, when we go to other countries, if you had the pleasure to go to another country where there's persecution, or if you experience persecution here, right? If you, you know, are maybe more, I don't know, out loud with your face, sometimes people might not like that, right? Um, People might be offended by your faith. I know sometimes I have offended people because of things that I've said, um, not trying to offend them, not purposely saying things to offend them, but just because I believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, some people don't like that, right? And they will let you know. And so part of me wanted to just to read this, you know, to read this passage and, and Luke can be like, well, what else is there to say? I mean, it's so clear, right? Love those who don't love you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who abuse you, right? This is what it means. Like, you know, at the end, he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, right? This isn't our home. This isn't the place where we're trying to have a reward. This isn't the place where we're, we're setting up home base, right? Our home isn't here. Our home is with him, right? And if we're living this life to build our lives and to build our kingdoms here, then we will get upset when people rob us and take from us and steal our dignity and try to take our, our possessions and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get upset. But if we realize this life is temporary, this isn't our home, we have an everlasting home with with God, and He is the provider, He is the giver, and no matter what someone takes from me, they can't take that away, and that's worth it all. Then we're not gonna be so upset when trials and tribulation come because they're gonna come, right? We're not gonna fight up against it because we know this isn't our home, anyways, right? This isn't my life, anyways. My life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. No one can take anything from me because I'm going to freely give my life to other people because that is what Jesus did for me. And that's what it looks like to walk in love as Jesus loved. Jesus sacrificed his life for you and I, right? That is what love looks like, is that we pour out our life for other people, no matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter the risk. 
That's, that's the invitation. And so that's, that's what I'm, I'm praying for me, for my family, for this church, is that we would live a life, right, where we are pouring out our love and giving our love no matter the cost. So the band, you can come up. I'm going to hear a close here in just a moment. Um, if you read throughout the scriptures time and time again, if you just read the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, there's just time and time again, it's bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, right? Overcome evil with good, right? This is like the message is over and over and over throughout scripture. And just to, to close um, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, I think, 3. This is a beautiful thing that Paul says. Uh, yeah, 1 Peter 3, 8. He says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his eyes are open to their prayers. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, if you are, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.